Hi, I'm Jayan Sriram and welcome to In Focus, the Hindu's analysis podcast. Thanks for joining us. Last week on the 23rd of March, we had spoken to Sriram Lakshman, the Hindu's US correspondent, on how New York City had become an epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak and the incredible spike in the number of cases there. Sriram and I caught up again yesterday evening, that is on April 1st, to check in on what is an increasingly alarming situation as COVID-19 appears to be spreading in waves across the US, while New York is now in a state of emergency with medical supplies and resources being rushed in from all over the country to help in the battle against COVID-19. The update from Sriram Lakshman is first up today. This is the daily COVID update show, part of the Hindus In Focus podcast. And after that, we'll round up with a brief look at national developments. Prime Minister Modi held a video call with state chief ministers today and is set to release a video message to the nation tomorrow. We also have a brief report of Indians testing positive for COVID-19 in Kuwait and how the Middle East, where the footprint of the novel coronavirus is expanding, could be a ticking time bomb with millions of Indian workers in the Gulf. So let's begin with Sriram Lakshman. Sriram, thanks for joining us again. Um, you know, the last time we caught up, it's about, it's about a week ago and we were discussing what was at that point an extremely big uh, news uh, story for the day, which was that New York had become an epicenter for the coronavirus, uh, for COVID-19. And since then, um, day by day, I think the numbers from the US are just rising exponentially. So uh, I think th- the best way to start is just to get an update on that. Where do, where do, where do things stand over there? Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Like you said, we, we spoke a little over a week ago and uh, New York City and the surrounding region in New York State had uh, become an epicenter of this uh, pandemic last week. And that was when there were, you know, uh, 60 deaths in New York and 8,000 cases. This is New York City. Uh, It is an incredible 1,000 now, the death toll in New York City. And the number of cases has surpassed 40,000. If you look at the overall U.S., there are 120,000 cases. This is the largest in any given country. And uh, between uh, 3,800 and just over 4,000 deaths, depending on the uh, source you look at, that is has surpassed the official uh, Chinese death toll uh, from this virus. And it's also surpassed the number of people who died in 9-11. And this is important because 9-11 is uh, like has major psychological impact on the American psyche. So that the death toll from this uh, virus has surpassed 9-11. You know, that's showing in the way the president is hand, President Trump is handling it. That's, it has, his mood has shifted, his messaging has shifted and uh, uh, things have really surged in the last week and we're expecting it to get worse, uh, at least in some parts of the country next week. Right. Um, even till a few days ago, I think President Trump was claiming that he was going to reopen the American economy. I, I know that, um, I mean, everyone knows that basically the economic numbers matter a lot to him. And um, I think he planned to do, he said this was going to be by Easter, which was, you know, it's not far away at all. And I think now he's kind of striking a more somber note on the whole thing. What's been responsible for that kind of shift? Is it just the numbers that are coming in at such, at such a fast pace? Yes, it's the numbers. And I think it's finally dawned on him. His team has showed him the data and it's, uh, you know, the penny has 
finally dropped. Uh, uh, like you said, he wanted to open the economy up by Easter, which uh, I think is in less than two weeks from now. And uh, last week when we spoke, I had actually read out a tweet from him uh, on the podcast where he had said the cure to the for the, the solution cannot be worse than the problem. So for him, uh, you know, the solution is shutting the country down and that's going to create a situation that's worse than the actual virus. That was his mindset last week. Whereas uh, if you consider how he was um, yesterday, U.S. time, on a Tuesday evening at the, at, the, at, the, at the press briefing in the White House, his mood was different, his messaging was different, his delivery was completely different. And, you know, his advisors um, have, were there showing charts um, uh, with a model that predicted a best case scenario of 100,000 to 240,000 deaths. And this is if you had community, uh, you know, mitigating strategies uh, such as social distancing, for instance. So basically on Sunday, what happened was uh, Donald Trump said that he was extending the White House's uh, guidelines, mitigation guidelines, you know, social distancing and so forth. If you're old or you're vulnerable, stay at home, uh, rules about what to do if someone in your house is unwell and so forth. These restrictions were initially approved till March 31st. Okay, and now they've been extended all the way through the end of April. And he said that this um, opening up the economy in time for Easter, that that was, quote, just an aspiration, unquote. So um, he's aware, he's backtracked. And, you know, backtracking is not something that's new to President Trump. Um, he's been criticized for not taking things seriously since January. And he compared this to the flu. This is much more lethal than the flu. Um, it has finally dawned on him uh, what a serious situation the U.S. is in. And uh, I'm sure somewhere he is also concerned uh, about his own re-election prospects. That's never something far away from his mind. Um, so he actually said in the press briefing that, uh, uh, you know, that the next... Um, Two weeks are going to be very difficult and very, very painful. And he also um, drew upon the notion that it would be Americans' patriotic duty to uh, uh, assist in this and to follow the community guidelines. Right. And again, stories are coming in from um, all over the country about the shortage of medical equipment, uh, the fact that doctors don't have the resources, the physical resources to take care of patients. Uh, does that is that does that continue? What is the U.S. Uh, doing about that? Have they used the uh, option of make uh, asking other factories to manufacture medical equipment? Yes, there's some of that going on, but there's also, uh, you know, as usual with with the Trump administration. Uh, uh, the facts are a little bit hazy, you know. Uh, they're saying that they're sending out equipment to the states that need them uh, and so forth, but the governors are all pushing back and saying, this is not happening. We're not getting the equipment that we need. I think the governor of New York, uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, said that states are having to co uh, compete with the federal government for supplies. And uh, I'm reading a quote of, uh, from Andrew Cuomo on this. He said, it's like being in eBay with 50 other states States, uh, bidding on a ventilator, so right. that's that's the situation that's currently in the uh, going on in the U.S. Um, and um, uh, in terms of the testing as well, um, you know what's coming out of the White House is not in sync with what states are saying. Currently, a little over one million people have been tested, but that's just not enough. And there are some governors who complain that they are days away from running out of tests altogether. 
And I think the big question to consider now is that it was just a few months back that the US economy was booming. Uh, Mr. Trump likes to claim that it's the best it's ever been with the employment numbers and uh, those kinds of parameters. And given the um, death toll now and the projected death toll, uh, it's I, I one assumes that it's going to be a huge hit on the economy. How is this being felt already? What are the signs? So, um, you know, just like if you see some of the signs of this in India as well, in the US too, a lot of companies have uh, furloughed workers. Take Macy's, for example, the department store, 125,000 workers were furloughed, Gap, Kohl's, several media companies are also requiring their staff uh, to take leave. The Tampa Bay Times, for example, is now only available in print twice a week. This is a temporary measure they've instituted. So it's also hit the media industry. Um, some economists say that 40 million people could be unemployed by mid-April. This number was 5.8 million in February. And this is likely, you know, there are estimates that say it's 40 million. I mean, five, you see, 40 million is several orders of magnitude higher than 5.8 million. And a rec record number of people have already filed for unemployment. Um, so Trump basically on Friday signed a $2 trillion stimulus package. This is the largest in US yeah. history. Um, and that's going to involve up to $1,200 in the mail for uh, for citizens um, and also a trillion dollars in loans and guarantees to small and large companies. So you can avail these loans if you're not laying off workers. So it's going to take some time for this to find its way uh, into the economic system. But meanwhile, people are having uh, to shut their companies down. People are losing work. Um, you know, people are also having to deal with having children at home, homeschooling them. Um, it's a dire situation and, uh, and it's going to get a little bit worse before it gets better, Jen. Right. And um, just to end again with, with New York, because I think that's where the numbers are just uh, stunning. Um, what What's going to happen there? I know that you mentioned that Mr. Trump said that the next two weeks are going to be very difficult. But uh, I think New York is now emerging as the uh, more immediate kind of big hotspot. What's, what's projected to happen there, at least in the next few days? Absolutely. Actually, the city's mayor, New York City uh, uh, Mayor Bill de Blasio, said that the city needs to brace for a surge next week. And, you know, doctors, paramedics and ambulances from across the country um, have been moving to New York. I'm not sure you saw, but there was a picture of a group of doctors in an aircraft showing heart symbols with their hand, hands flying into New York. And these are extraordinarily brave people. And, uh, you know, in many hospitals, there aren't even clear guidelines what to do if they get infected. You hear stories also of some people having to make very difficult choices, like a nurse uh, wanted to, to wear an N95 mask that she had got from outside, but the hospital administration didn't let her wear it. And so she decided to quit because she had to choose between wearing that mask and protecting her children at home. So you're going to see many more such cases in New York. Uh, uh, not enough medical supplies, not enough uh, doctors, uh, especially as we go through the surge. For New York State, the daily death toll increased by about 31 percent per day, according to the New York Times, uh, over this last week. And um, if the mayor says there's going to be a surge, you can expect the situation, uh, this number to get worse. Um, so you're right in saying that New York is really leading the U.S. Um, in terms of uh, coronavirus cases and the way this pandemic is spreading. And next in line is uh, New Jersey, where there are about 19,000 known infections and uh, 267 people have died. 
All right, worrying signs coming in from the US. Uh, Shreena, thank you for uh, thank you for describing all of that so concisely. I think it gives us a good picture of what's going on there and what to expect. We'll check in with you again soon. Thank you Perfect. for joining us. Thanks, Jay. Thanks very much. We round up today's show with a couple of short segments. Suhasini Haider, the Hindu's national editor, joins us now for a quick update on the PM's video call today with chief ministers. We also understand Suhasini that he will be addressing the nation or giving a video address tomorrow at 9 a.m. What can we expect there? Um, well, Jen, uh, Prime Minister Modi had a video conference, quite like the kind of video conferences we've seen in the last few weeks. Him doing with international leaders as well as uh, other people, heads of mission inside the country. But this was really the first time he has taken all the chief ministers of India on board and is speaking to them really about uh, the situation with the coronavirus pandemic. I think uh, much of uh, the conversation was really off the record, was not um, uh, was not meant uh, to be publicized. But the two things that seem to have come out, the two common threads uh, of what he was saying, uh, was the first was that, uh, that when the lockdown does uh, end and it is right now still scheduled to end on April fifteenth. Um, it should uh, it shouldn't be uh, finished with one bang. There should be a staggered approach. Every state government must bring in what he called exit strategies from this, so that you don't have lots of people coming out on the streets as soon as the lockdown period ends. Also, staggering the benefits. Uh, and the relief that is being given under various schemes uh, to people uh, uh, is, is something that the Prime Minister had suggested. We understand also that he uh, spoke about the need for a common agenda, for a common purpose, and for all the states to really work together. Now, what we do understand from some of the opposition states that have spoken about uh, uh, how that meeting went is that they did raise issues like, um, for example, daily wage earners under the uh, the, the Narega schemes uh, and how they will be uh, compensated for all the days that they have lost work, um, as well as asking for special packages for various states. Uh, another important message the Prime Minister put out was that testing and tracing and then isolation remains the sort of catchwords of the government's strategy this point forward uh, and making a real point that it's necessary to uh, to increase the number of tests that uh, that governments are doing, but also the tracking down of each of the cases and finding clusters uh, as uh, they have had to do with uh, the, the famous uh, case in Nizamuddin in Delhi as well. Um, so I think we got a little uh, a glimpse into what is going to be announced when the prime minister issues a video message uh, in the morning for the for the nation. Of course, each time he has given a speech, uh, there's been some trepidation. The last time there was a lot of panic buying that happened just before and just after his speech. Uh, but this time he has chosen not to speak to the nation at 8 p.m., but at 9 a.m. instead. Uh, and it's understood that he wants to speak really about how uh, the country must now approach the next week ahead, which is really the week which will lead up to the final decision on whether the lockdown will be lifted or not. As I said, the lockdown is expected to be lifted on April the 15th, uh, and um, that's expected to go forward. But I think uh, what, what the government is hoping to do is to put protocols into place 
so that it doesn't end with everybody coming out on the streets, with everybody going out and shopping um, and everybody um, occupying public spaces, but instead a more considered um, uh, you know, unpackaging of uh, the lockdown and uh, perhaps in exactly the same sequence as we saw restrictions were put into place, you know, with malls and cinema halls that were shut first, perhaps being opened last, restaurants as well may be open with a lot of social distancing norms. Uh, other shops may be open, but there may be different timings for them. So we expect to hear uh, really for the prime minister to give that uh, give that sort of important lesson really to people. Uh, no surprise or dramatic announcements are expected at this moment. Uh, instead, I think the idea is to ensure that the next week goes smoothly in terms of countering the coronavirus pandemic, which is not yet really, the numbers are not yet coming down as the government had hoped they would by this moment. But that even if the government is able to raise the lockdown from at least many parts of the country that have not seen the same concentrations of coronavirus cases, then that doesn't happen with, as I said, a big bang, Jen. And Atul Neja, the Hindu's strategic affairs editor, is reporting on a developing situation in the Middle East, where 24 Indians have tested positive for COVID-19 in Kuwait. And Atul, why is this a situation that we need to keep our eye on? There are several reasons, Jent, why this development is so important. We should not look at these 23 Kuwait uh, Indians in Kuwait being impacted or, or being infected by COVID-19. Uh, what happens to these individuals is a leading into what might happen to the millions of Indian expatriates in the Gulf countries. And whatever happens to Indians in the Gulf has several repercussions. First, it is a humanitarian issue and the government has to be sensitive to that because this is what is happening uh, to Indian nationals. Uh, secondly, uh, there is a deep economic uh, angle as well. For uh, It's very important uh, for uh, the Indian economy uh, that the status quo is more or less maintained in the Gulf countries because there are huge billions of dollars of remittances which uh, come from the Gulf to India. Uh, third, I think, is the political reasons because whatever happens to the people in the Gulf, uh, it has a domestic uh, eco politically. And finally, there is a diplomatic angle because the treatment of Indians uh, in the Gulf will impact India's relations with the Gulf countries. And uh, remember, these countries are the source of India's energy security. And uh, there is an energy angle to it as well. So I think uh, we got to take a holistic picture here and not look at this as something which is isolated to these 23 individuals who have been impacted by the COVID uh, D ailment.